This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Praise the Lord. It's a privilege to preach God's Word and to share it with you. And uh, when we talk about Jesus being the cornerstone, I can't help but think about how Jesus said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He was talking about himself. He said, imagine yourself being in construction, and you're looking for the perfect stone to be the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the key um, building block from which the whole structure will grow. And if you pick the right stone, you've got a great edifice. If you pick the wrong stone, you're in trouble. And so a person in construction would choose carefully and say, no, that stone doesn't look right. That's not going to work. And reject that stone. But if they pick the right stone, they build a beautiful, beautiful building. Now, I want you to listen to this proverb I'm going to make up right now. It goes like this. Either you fall on the stone and be broken now, or the stone will fall on you and you will be crushed later. Do you get the proverb? The proverb is, Jesus is the cornerstone, and you are meant to build your life on him. And the way you build your life on Christ is first to fall on the stone and be broken in repentance. When you repent and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, Lord, I've blown it. Lord, I've been trying to build the house of my life with all the wrong materials. And finally, I choose you as the foundation that I'm going to build my life on. Then you will have a beautiful life, a beautiful building to the glory of God. But if you reject the cornerstone, if you reject Jesus as the foundation of your life, then what happens is, one day there's judgment, and the stone will fall on you, and you will be crushed in judgment. So that's the point about the cornerstone. It's the foundation you build your life on. And Jesus said there's two kinds of people. There's the kind that listen to my teaching, and they build their lives on my teaching, and they're like the wise man who built his house on a rock. And when a mighty storm came, that house remains standing. But those who reject my teaching and reject me, they're building their house on the sand. And when the storm comes, that house is destroyed and great is its destruction. So I guess I'm beginning this sermon with an invitation. 
Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your cornerstone? Are you building your life on the foundation of Jesus and his teaching in the word? If you are, you can say amen and amen with me as we look back at our lives and see the faithfulness and the goodness of God. But if not, if you are rejecting and pushing away the cornerstone, the one designed upon which you are to build your life, then you're using inferior materials that will not measure up to code and will not withstand an earthquake of a 7.5 on the Richter scale. The coming judgment. All right? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for that sudden inspiration to talk about Jesus as the cornerstone. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you are the foundation of the church. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you for that fact. Now speak to us as we look at your word together, and thank you for the privilege we have of listening to you and building our lives upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Amen. This series is called ID Check through the book of Ephesians. We're at chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Let me read these verses and then we'll go through them. First of all, Paul writes, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groupings one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross." by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. All right, this message is entitled, You Belong to God's Family. When you think of your ID, your identification, who are you? You can answer with confidence if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You could say, I'm a king's kid in God's forever family. Let's just say that out loud. I'm a king's kid in God's forever family. Doesn't that feel good to say that 
and to know it's true that because you've trusted in Christ, you've been adopted into God's forever family as a son, which is a person with all the privileges and the rights therein and thereof to inherit all that God has for you. You are of legal age, adopted to freely enjoy the inheritance that's yours in Christ. And we praise God that we belong to his family. So the message here is how and why you belong to God's family. How is it that you came to be part of God's family, and why are you part of God's family? Three points, simply, what you were is talked about in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. What you are is mentioned in chapter 2, verses 13 to 20. And what you will be or become is in chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Now, if you say to yourself, wow, this outline sure does look like the outline from last week, the answer is, it is. So what is Paul doing? He is going through the same picture twice. In verses 1 to 10, he said, once you were uh, dead in your trespasses, and you were a slave to the world and a slave to the devil, but God, in his love, made you alive in Christ and he raised you in Christ, and he seated you with Christ at the right hand of God the Father, and you are his workmanship in process. All this is made possible by God's grace. You've been saved by God's grace. So yes, he talked about it that way, and now he's going to go through it again, but now he's going to talk about the we aspect. Last week it was the me And now it's the we. Last week it was about you as an individual. This week it's about us as the family of God, corporately. All right? Us as Gentiles. By the way, in the time of Paul, the idea was there are two kinds of people. There were Jews, and then there was everybody else, known as Gentiles. There were the Jews... And then they were the goyim. The goyim is the Greek word for the common peoples. So either, uh, when I was pastor in Corona, California, we were right next to Norco, which was northern California, uh, northern Corona. So when I was in Corona, uh, Norco was next door, and there was a lot of dairy farming by mostly Dutch people. And they had a saying, uh, you're either Dutch or you're not much. And, uh, you know, that was the attitude of the Jews that they were everything and the Gentiles were Gentile dogs and pigs. They were unclean, unfit for anything. And Paul is reminding us as goyim, as Gentiles, that at one time we were on the outs. We were locked out. We were separate. We were excluded from God's family. Let's read about that. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. It's important for us to remember where we came from. 
to remember how at one time we were separate from Christ, to remember from one, at one time that we were uh, considered unclean and cut off from God's people. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. That's important. Because if we will remember where we came from, if we will remember what we were like before we received Christ, we will appreciate all the more what we are now. We will appreciate all the more who we are now in Christ. Yes, I have a past. Yes, I was once locked out, excluded. I was rejected. I was a loser. That's true. We all were. As Gentiles, we were not part of God's chosen people. And none of the blessings that came to Israel came to any of us because we were considered foreigners. We were considered um, strangers. We were separate from Christ. Now, what are you now? Ephesians 2.13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Again, this parallels chapter uh, 2 and um, the verse where it says in chapter 2, verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So the point here is that God intervened. If God had not intervened, if God did not first show love to us, we would have been hopelessly lost because we are without hope and without connection to God in the world. But God did something about it. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to shed his sinless blood so that our, all of our sins could be washed away and we can be uh, adopted into God's forever family as his king's kids. Aren't you thankful for what God has done for you through Christ? Aren't you thankful that Jesus was obedient and lived the perfect sinless life to give his sinless life in place of your sinful life and mine so that we could be brought near? so that we could be included. So before, in the first part of the chapter, we were dead and we were made alive. Now we were, ex we were once excluded. And now, because of the shed blood of Christ, we've been included in the body of Christ. Now, if you've ever felt that sense of rejection and exclusion, and you were on the outside looking in, you know how valuable, how rich, how gracious this is that God said, I'm expanding the circle and I'm including you among my people. What a privilege. What a joy. But it doesn't stop there. Because in, it goes on to say, for he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, one. 
and he has destroyed the barrier, which was the law, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So now, the way to be part of God's family is not by obeying the law. The law only points out that you're a sinner and you can't live it out completely without failing. What is the way to be part of God's family is to trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, that he died for your sins, for, your, for you to be forgiven, and he gives you your righteousness, and through faith in him, you are set right before a holy God and you become part of God's family. So then if you become God, part of God's family and a Jewish person becomes part of God's family, guess what? You're part of the same family and there's no hostility between you because you're one in Christ. Now, isn't this a great message? And wouldn't it be wonderful if somehow we could preach this in Israel and Gaza? What if we went to Israel and Gaza and said, you all can tear down the wall of hostility between you. You don't have to hate each other. You don't have to bomb each other. You don't have to fight anymore because you've got one loving Heavenly Father and he's given his one son, Jesus, to be your Messiah. And if you'll trust in Yeshua as the Messiah, you will have peace. You'll have peace because the Prince of Peace is sitting on your heart. And because the Prince of Peace is reigning in your heart, you will be peaceful towards one another and see one another as brothers and sisters in Christ instead of as enemies to be destroyed. What a difference that would make. And praise God, uh, we are headed in a direction where one day Christ will rule here on earth and the lion shall lay down with the lamb. There will be peace in the valley for me. I remember George Beverly, or Tennessee Ernie Ford, one of those two singing that song. There'll be peace in the valley for me. When the lion shall lay down with the lamb and the child shall put his hand in a viper's pit and not be uh, uh, fanged to death by it, uh, there's going to be such peace even animals that are usually hostile to one another will get along. Have you ever heard that expression? Can't we just get along? The answer is yes, we can in Christ because Jesus himself is our peace. Do you know Jesus? You will not rest in peace until you trust in the Prince of Peace. Don't leave this earth without him. All right? So trust in Jesus because he is our peace. And his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, out of Jew and Gentile, he's creating one people of God and thus making peace and in that one body to reconcile both Jew and Gentile to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. What creates hostility? Sin. Right? Why do we get into quarrels and conflicts with one another? Sin. And why does sin create these uh, problems? Because we end up being selfish and proud. And we then demonize our opponents and feel they've got to be destroyed. And that hostility 
is what divides us. When you trust in Christ, the sin problem has been forgiven, and now the vestiges of that sin influence can be conquered through the love of Christ. Christ's love can overcome that former hatred, that prejudice that people had towards one another where they'd see somebody and they'd walk on the other side of the street no longer exists because the love of Christ envelops everyone and includes everyone. So instead of hostility, there is peace, there's unity, there's harmony in Christ. So what you are now, it goes on to say in Ephesians 2, 17 and 18, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And here's the theme. This is the most important part. For through him, that is through Jesus, we, that is Jews and Gentiles, both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So when you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes into your heart, into your life, and he makes you one with the body of Christ. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit baptizing you like an arm being stuck in the socket of a body. You're now a member of the body of Christ with Jesus as the head. The Holy Spirit has baptized you into the body. So you've gone from me living your life individually to we living your life corporately as part of the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ. You have membership in the body or the family of God through Jesus. So what you are now, consequently, the bottom line is, you're no longer a foreigner, you're no longer a stranger, but you're a fellow citizen with God's people. And also you're a member of his household. Now, interestingly enough, in the New Testament, it does not use the word family. It uses the word household. Why? Because family would be the biological children that we have. But household would include anyone who's part of the compound of your family. That means the workers and the, uh, the people that help out, the service people, they're just as much part of the household as the family. So you and I are part of the family of God known as the household of God. And what a privilege it is. And so now he moves from once we were immigrants who couldn't find a country to now we're citizens of that country. And we are members of God's forever family. And he changes the picture to a building. He says you're built on the foundation of the apostles, and they're built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone. All right, so Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and the apostles are the ones built on him, and then we are the, the building that comes from that. Now, I'm about to share something that I hope will bless your heart as you think about what we're about to say. Ephesus was the queen city of Asia. I've been there. And it was exhilarating to walk down the streets of Ephesus and think Paul walked on these very streets. 
And then to see the big library they have, the amphitheater that they have, where it's just very, very impressive. But one of the impressive buildings in Ephesus was, at the time, the magnificent temple of Artemis, or Diana. Artemis, or Diana, was the goddess that the people of Ephesus worshipped. You might remember that they chanted, Great is Diana, great is Diana, Acts chapter 19, when um, Paul had done a miracle to heal someone who used to um, give fortune-telling by the spirit of the evil one. Well, the, the temple of Diana was impressive. It was so large and so uh, magnificent that when Paul's writing this part, the Christians at Ephesus can imagine what he's talking about. If I were to take you on a tour of Ephesus back in Paul's day, and you saw the magnificent temple of Diana, you would be in awe. You'd be like, that's huge, that's beautiful, that's amazing. But Paul's talking about a spiritual temple and saying, not only are you part of the family of God, but right now you are being built together as a temple that's greater than that temple down the street called the Temple of Diana. You are a spiritual temple built together one in another, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And you are for the purpose of praising the Lord. Let's follow this then in what you will become. Ephesians 2, 21-22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul is saying, you know that temple down the street, the, the magnificent temple to Diana, the false goddess, because there's no God except the true God? <clears throat> Let me tell you something. You guys together are a more beautiful temple than that temple. Let me tell you something even better. The true God lives in you, and he lives among you as the body of Christ. That's way better. And one day, this temple will be complete. Everyone who is to trust in Christ will trust in Christ, and we will be together with the Lord. He will be our God, and we will be his people. And what a day of rejoicing that will be. So praise God that as we think about our lives, we were once excluded, but now we are included and we will be fully united. This is a profound teaching and one that we need to grasp theologically in this section of doctrine before we can move on to chapter 4 about application. So we've got one more chapter of doctrine to go before application in chapter 4, but this is important. Know who you are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? You belong to God's family. Let's say this together. I am a king's kid 
in God's forever family. Together, I am a king's kid in God's forever family. Now, if you've never trusted in Christ or want to affirm your faith, here's a great prayer to pray. It goes like this. I am without hope and without God in the world, without you, Jesus. Help me. Save me. Include me in your family. You could pray this prayer and know God hears you. I turn from my sins and I turn to you as my Savior and Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and give me your peace to be forgiven and set right in your sight. I receive your gift of eternal life through your resurrection by faith to have you now live in me. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of Christ right now. All right, so if you would like to, pray this prayer out loud with me. Let's pray together. I am without hope and without God in the world, without you, Jesus. Help me, save me, include me in your family. I turn from my sins and I turn to you as my Savior and Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and give me your peace to be forgiven and set right in your sight. I receive your gift of eternal life through your resurrection by faith to have you now live in me. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.